Welcome to the Unsweetened Sayo podcast. My name is Siobhan Harris. I am a certified integrative nutrition health coach and the founder of unsweetenedsayo.com. I gave up all sugar and all flour on January 13th, 2018, and am finally free of my addiction. My mission is to help other sugar addicts find their path to freedom and live the sweet life without sugar. Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode 159 of Unsweetened Sayo, the podcast. Really excited about my guest today. Karen Martell is a certified hormone specialist and transformational nutrition coach and women's weight loss expert. Karen is the host of the top-rated women's health podcast, The Other Side of Weight Loss, where she helps women to unlock the mysteries of female fat loss and hormone imbalance. After struggling with her own health issues, Karen was determined to bring her knowledge to others with a bold new approach to women's hormone health and weight management. Karen's passion lies in helping women balance and optimize their hormones in peri and post-menopause and breakthrough weight loss resistance. So welcome, Karen. So excited. So excited. Thanks for having me. You're at 159 episodes. That's excellent. Yes, I know. It's been almost long. And that's actually kind of a good segue because we were just talking a little bit before we started recording. It will be five years that I am sugar and flour free in January. So that's January 13th is my, my sugarversary. And this, this topic is so near and dear to my heart. I'm 43 years old and I would say about 42, all of a sudden I was just kind of hit with uh, some hormone stuff. And so I am really excited to share this with listeners talking about and addressing some of this perimenopause, what that even is and menopause and and just getting some help around that. Cause even I have been struggling, even feeling pretty like good, you know, and solid in my recovery. And then suddenly um, having some bigger challenges. So this episode is as, as much for me as it is for my listeners, but so glad. Aren't they always? Yes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so Karen, if you could tell us a little bit, you kind of talked about that in your intro, just a little bit about your own health issues and what led you to wanting, you know, to this topic and this being a passion of yours. Yeah. So my journey really started at the, after the birth of my first child in my early thirties, uh, you know, lost all the baby weight. That wasn't a problem. And it was shortly after I stopped breastfeeding, which there's a hormonal shift that happens for women when we stop breastfeeding and not knowing that at the time, of course, but I suddenly without changing anything, and I'd always been a clean eater and I actually lucky for me, not since my teens, had I not dealt with eating addiction. I had a uh, eating disorder as a teenager, but I had outgrown that and got control of those things. And then come my thirties, you know, I have this baby and a year or so afterwards, suddenly I'm putting on weight without changing my diet or anything else for that matter. And so I did what every woman does. I looked 
out there for what is everybody, what's the next best diet? What's the next best exercise program? Thinking, of course, that was the answer to all my problems. And so I, I hired the personal trainer. I started a CrossFit kind of boot camp workout that was like the most I had ever exercised, to be honest. Like I was in incredible shape from this class and from the personal trainer. I was doing it six days a week and I'm like, you know, running stairs and doing box jumps and deadlifts. And here's all these women that I'm working out with and they're shredded. And then there's Karen gaining weight by the day. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Why am I not? What's happening? You know, I just thought I got to work out harder, eat less, watch my calories. I jumped from diet to diet to diet, trying everything under the sun. I was Atkins. I was vegan. I was juicing. I went on this big juice craze thinking if I just drink juice, vegetable juices, I'm going to lose all this weight. Nope. Just kept gaining. And that wasn't the only thing changing. I had suddenly a lot of health problems too. I had really bad digestive system. Uh, my stomach would look like I was three months pregnant by the end of the day. Um, I was getting hives where I would break out in hives on my body. I was getting horrible migraines and I developed severe insomnia where I was not sleeping at all. And so I went to the doctor, of course, finally, and said, you know, told her all my problems. She would put me on an antidepressant and a sleeping pill and sent me on my way. And I actually did take the sleep. I took them both. Um, the antidepressant did not do anything for me. So I got off that, but I stayed on the sleeping pill because it was helping me sleep. But of course, nothing, it shifted nothing else. Of course, this is just a band-aid. And so I decided at a, you know, the six month mark after, well, I was at the heaviest I'd ever been working out the hardest I'd ever been and cleaning, eating cleaner than I had ever had and decided there's gotta be something else going on. And so many of the, the symptoms were happening around my period. Like my PMS had gotten super severe. The migraines were all around my menstrual cycle. You know, I'd had been diagnosed with endometriosis prior to having my kids. So I, I knew that I was hormonally sensitive person. And, you know, of course the doctor's not going to tell me that I was 33. She wasn't going to say, oh, it's your hormones. Let's test your hormones. No way. So I ended up going to a friend of mine who was a naturopath and said, do you think this could be my hormones? Like, could you test them? And he was like, yes. And so we did something called the saliva test, which a doctor doesn't have access to. And we'll get to the different types of hormonal testing afterwards, but took this test. Part of it was it tested your stress hormones. And so it's really important when you're testing stress hormones to actually test several times throughout the day, because naturally we should be waking up and we have high amounts of what's called cortisol. I'm sure everybody's heard of cortisol now. And then it's supposed to taper down throughout the day. And that's a nice, healthy circadian rhythm. And then melatonin should kick on in that nighttime while cortisol goes down. And then the other hormones were the sex hormones. So testosterone, estrogen, progesterone, and another adrenal hormone called DHEA. So I get these hormone tests back and lo and behold, Karen's got really high estrogen. So estrogen dominance, I'm sure everybody's heard of that one too. I had no progesterone, like very, very low progesterone levels. And the biggest thing was my cortisol and my DHEA, which are both stress hormones were flat. 
and there's no curve. They were just at the very bottom of the range. And at that time, that was called adrenal fatigue, another term everybody's probably heard of by now. So there's Karen, 33, going to boot camp six days a week, thinking if she just runs harder, lifts heavier, that this is the answer. I'm starving myself, which is another stressor. And I'm a single mother of a one, a one and a half, two-year-old at that time. Can't remember exactly how old she was. No help from the father. No real help from a lot of my, you know, community or anything like that. I was doing it all myself because that's what women do now. And I was running my own massage therapy business. And Karen did not think she was stressed out. That's the funny part. I honest to God, I never related myself to a stressed person because I was just doing what everybody else is doing. Well, I was doing, according to the hormonal profile, I was doing everything possibly wrong to support that. So I had to change everything. So I had to quit the boot camp. I quit starving myself. I went on an anti-inflammatory diet that was really going to heal my digestive system. It was a paleo-based diet, which was great. It really helped stable my blood sugar. Uh, it didn't help me lose weight. I still didn't lose weight, even changing the diet and finding the right diet for myself, but it did change my body composition and got rid of a lot of the inflammation and the digestive problems and stabilized the blood sugar. But the rest of it really took time and patience. And I think that that's something that most women need to hear because we all want that quick fix. We want that overnight. Tell me what to do. Tell me what supplement to take. But my body was in a really bad burnout phase. And it's very, very common for women to be in that stage and have no idea because, you know, you're up breastfeeding for a year with your kid and then you're, so you're not sleeping, you know, you're working, you're still doing everything around the house. It's just normalized. So it took time. I started just doing yoga. I started asking for help. I started to take it easy. I had to deal with some emotional stuff that was causing some of the stress. Like I had to look at all of these different moving pieces. Also found out that I was hypothyroid, which wasn't helping. And it took, you know, it was about a year in or so before I started to let go of the weight. Um, and I had reversed a lot of the health problems in that time. So I was certainly feeling better. My hormones started to come back online as, as to where they should be. And the weight eventually came off and I was able to stabilize that weight for almost 10 years. And then I hit that magic number of 42. And we're going to talk about that magic number. <laughs> and all, I suddenly started going into very heavily and quickly over most women, I started going into perimenopause and losing my hormones and quickly gaining weight again. And then once again, Karen reversed it all and is now cycling and down to, you know, a healthier weight. So that's my story. So you can see I'm very hormonal, but I came out of that going, there's got to be more women like me who do everything right. They're exercising, they're eating well, and they're still gaining weight. And I just wanted to bring the, that hormonal education to women, especially as we age, because there's so much that happens that begins to impact how we eat and how we're utilizing that energy in our body. Mm, I'm so glad. And thank you for sharing that. Um, and like, yeah, 
facing that at like 33, like you said, most women are just doing all the things and not even realizing how burned out they are. And it's just like, I just have to do more, more, more. And sometimes like for me, I have a similar story, but I had polycystic ovary syndrome, not the endometriosis, but same thing. When I finally did the saliva test, the Dutch test, uh, my cortisol though, was just off of the charts, never going dipping down. And both of those things I learned are bad. You don't want it flat like yours. You don't want it high like mine. And at the time I was doing orange theory fitness, wondering why I wasn't (laughs) losing weight plus, you know, paleo with, you know, it was before I got sugar and flour free. So there were some binges in there too, but it was like, um, when, when my naturopath said, yeah, you need to quit like the, that exercise is a stressor. When you're working out that hard, you need to do more yoga, more walking. I was like, what? Or, you know, and sometimes having to eat more, you know, cause that again, yeah. body can, can consider all of that of, of an additional stress and then just add in all the hormone stuff. So I think it's amazing that you were able, and, and I love that you brought up too, like it takes a while. Mm-hmm. We do all want that. And that's such a bummer. We want that magic fix. And, you know, for me too, with the sugar addiction, I wanted that fixed overnight, but it, it's just, it's not unfortunately like that. It takes a while and then it has to evolve. So here you are, you finally yes. found, you know, what worked for you in your thirties, then that magic 42 hit and it no longer worked for you. So we have to pivot and make changes. And that's so frustrating to me, you know? Oh my gosh. Um, yes. For me, you know, I had polycystic ovary syndrome. I finally was able to get pregnant and have two kids. And then I had like pretty regular cycles. Like my hormones were pretty good. And then all of a sudden, you know, the perimenopause and I'm like, I thought I had more time. Yeah, exactly. Most women do think they have more time and we're all going to that, like, oh, look, it's keto's the next best diet. And so every woman's going, I'm going to do this. And we really have to take a step back and realize that women are way more complicated now, especially as we age. And so it's so important to match how you're eating to your hormonal profile, because back then there, you have polycystic ovarian syndrome, your cortisol's off the charts. You're going to need something completely different than what I needed at that time, because I was burned out, had hypothyroidism, low cortisol. So for me, if I had done keto, it would have made all of those things worse when you, it probably would have been really good for you because it would have lowered your blood sugar and sugar feeds into polycystic ovarian syndrome. Exactly. So this is why this episode is so critical, I think, but I'm just like, let's just start at the basics because this is something, again, I'm 43, all my friends, that magic number 42 are all like, what is going on? We're too young for menopause. So what is this? But so let's just start there. Like what is perimenopause? I think a lot of like, that's not something that's really, if you go out to your doctor that they're going to talk to you about in your thirties and forties. So let's just start there with the kind of definitions. Yeah. Cause if you go to your doctor, you, you even say, Oh, test my hormones. The range, let's just say for estrogen, it goes from depending on what country you're from, but let's say if you're from the United States, it's going to go from 10 to, you know, 600, I think it is like it's the the range is so wide. So if you fall, if you're seven, 
with your estrogen levels, you're going to be told everything's great. You <laughs> looks good. You're in range. Or if you're on the high end of the range, they'll tell you the same thing. And that's not maybe okay for you. So you can't really rely on that. So let's talk about what starts to happen in our thirties. Now is the typical age for perimenopause to start. Most women don't know that. They think menopause, perimenopause, oh, that's in our late 40s, early 50s, or they don't even have a clue what it is at all. And so perimenopause is just simply a term saying that your ovaries are starting to fatigue, let's call it. They're starting to not ovulate. You are starting to not ovulate as often. We come into this world with a certain amount of eggs which means we can only ovulate a certain amount of times and every single woman out there will stop ovulating eventually, which in her ovaries will stop producing hormones. Sometimes like they will produce zero by the time you're in menopause. Mostly it's just down on the bottom of the range. So in your thirties, we stop ovulating as often. And that's typically where it starts. Now, what does this look like for you? It looks like, oh, you've hit 38. That's the other magic number. Oh, you've hit 38. And oh, I just put on five pounds. Maybe your period gets a little bit heavier where you're like more crampy, more cloudy, your head, you know, you're going through pads faster, that kind of thing. That's typically the symptoms of that start first. That's what I hear all the time. It's just like something's just a smidge off. Not enough though for you to say, is this my hormones? Is this because I'm not ovulating? So in a 28 day cycle, which is a common cycle time, it can vary a little bit from there. The first half of your cycle, you produce estrogen and you produce testosterone. Then your body ovulates around day 14, give or take. When you ovulate, there's something that's called the corpus luteum. <laughs> when that breaks free, the, the, the egg comes out and that corpus luteum produces progesterone. Progesterone is a hormone that counteracts the estrogen. We need the estrogen. Estrogen is not the bad guy. It's that what starts to happen is because you don't ovulate as often anymore because you're not having, you don't have as many eggs left. If you don't, you don't have the progesterone to counterbalance estrogen and estrogen's a growth hormone. And that means that it grows the uterine lining. Progesterone should be coming in to counteract that growth. It also counteracts growth in the breast tissue as well. And it should come along and then you have your period. It's not so bad because that progesterone is there to buffer it. Without the progesterone, that uterine lining can overgrow. The, the breasts can become sore and tender and lumpy. Now we're bleeding heavier. We're getting those heavier cramps because we don't have this nice, soft counterbalance of progesterone. The other thing is, is when, if you've ever tried to get pregnant through looking at your basal body temperature, you'll know that the doctor will tell you, take your temperature every day. And when you see that it spikes around halfway through your cycle, that's your sign that you've ovulated. That's because progesterone helps to raise body temperature, which is your metabolism. 
So now if you're not producing that progesterone as often, that means your metabolism isn't going up to where it should be in that second half of the cycle. And so the other thing that also happens actually is progesterone is extremely important for sleep and for as an anti works as an anti-anxiety. It reacts on the GABA receptors of your brain. I'm sure you've heard of the supplement GABA, which is very calming. Some people will use it for sleep. So progesterone helps with this. So now you don't have as much progesterone anymore. So you've got worse PMS, which what do we do when we have PMS? Ladies, we're not eating broccoli and chicken, are we? Let's be honest. <laughs> <laughs> the other thing is now we're not sleeping as well. We know that poor sleep creates insulin insulin resistance over literally overnight. Like if you were to test your blood sugar on a nice solid night's sleep, you wake up, you test your fasting blood sugar, it'll be in the normal range. And then the next day you don't sleep, you have a poor sleep because let's say you've hit your PMS time, you got no progesterone. So now you're not sleeping very well. So you have this really terrible night's sleep. If you get up and you tested your blood sugar, you would see that it goes up. So literally overnight, this can cause insulin resistance in, in the day, right? Some people it'll, it'll continue if they, especially if they don't sleep very well, but just that's how important sleep is for blood sugar regulation. And when we know when we're insulin resistant and we're not sensitized to that blood sugar, our cravings for sugar goes up. So it's this terrible, vicious cycle. So now we've got this poor metabolism and increase in wanting to eat sugar, a little more insulin resistance. So that's why we see this little bit of weight gain that typically happens in our late thirties. Now this can happen at different times. I've seen women hit it in their early thirties. I, I was one of those people because my progesterone was so low after both my children, my progesterone just plummeted. And so my metabolism wasn't working great. It's also really important for thyroid function, progesterone. So all of these things start to work against you. As we head, head into our 40s, things just progress and at different rates for women. So typically when we're in our early 40s, the next magic number seems to be 42. It, and when I say these numbers, you know, 38, 42, this is just when, this is the things I hear the most is women will say, I hit 42, I hit 38. And this is, so it just seems to be this kind of running theme. And I know for myself, the same thing, the same numbers happen for me as well. And for you, mm -hmm. right? So 42 in that early 40 time, now we're not ovulating even more so. So now we're, we've become estrogen dominant, but only in the sense of we're not producing enough progesterone anymore. And so you could have completely normal levels of estrogen, but you don't have any progesterone. And we need to have that balanced out between each other. So estrogen dominance is actually a very large umbrella term. You may not have too much estrogen. Actually, I very rarely see women that have too much estrogen in their 40s. Most women think they're, every woman thinks she's estrogen dominant because the symptoms are so familiar to women in their forties, like, oh, weight gain in the stomach and hips and butt, you know, sore breasts, heavy periods, you know, inflamed, emotional, all of these things. But it doesn't mean that you have too much estrogen. It's typically that you have too little progesterone to counterbalance the estrogen. That is so interesting to think about. And yeah, that 
And, and just even like you said, like I, one of the things I was noticing with my periods now is my boobs are way more sore than they ever used to be. So you're, and, and my PMS is way more severe than it used to be and longer, you know? Yes. And then, yep. and then again, talking to other, other, my friends, like we, that's why I keep saying kind of jokingly, but not about this magic number. 42, just a lot of my friends said the same thing. And then with that, like all of a sudden for me, again, I don't weigh myself. I don't believe in the scale, but I noticed my body started like shifting and things weren't fitting as well as they used to. And as a friend of mine put it, she was like, my body has started rearranging itself without my permission. (laughs) And I was like, that's exactly exactly." Like all of a sudden I see a little more fat in my stomach or around like in my legs, I noticed in my legs and I had done nothing differently. If anything, I was probably, I'm probably eating even better than I was when I first went sugar and flour free. Um, and you know, still exercising regularly and all the things. So it's very frustrating. I just want to address that too. It's so hard when you think you're doing all the things and you want to help yourself. And like you went to your doctor, I did the same thing. And this was probably a little earlier forties, knowing this is a regular doctor, they're not going to do much, but I knew my insurance would pay for the blood work. And of course, yeah, everything looks great. It's normal. And they wanted to give me an antidepressant or suggested that I get back on birth birth control. So, I mean, that's the other frustrating thing is when you want to help and there's not a lot of help out there that's really like good, solid, you know, advice that's going to kind of really get to the underlying issue here, which I think is really interesting to think about with the estrogen dominance, because yes, that is a term we hear a lot, but maybe in this case, yes, your estrogen levels are fine. It's just that the progesterone levels are so low. So- I know this is a little bit of a tangent. I want to get back, but I also want you, because I hear so many people, and again, friends of mine going through this that are going and trying to see specialists um, to get help, they're being told to get on birth control. So can you address why, you know, what your thoughts are about that and, you know, (laughs) how that helps or doesn't help the situation? I'm just curious. So that's almost a whole podcast on its own. I get very <laughs> heated about birth control because of the lack of education that women are being told about when it comes to birth control, it's insane. What like when I really dug into the research, it's so frustrating because birth control pills are not hormones. Let's just get that straight first. These are chemicals. These look nothing like your own or maybe a little bit, but they act like hormones in the body, but a lot stronger hormones. We know now that birth control pill, any use of birth control pill will create leaky gut syndrome in a woman. We now know that gut, your gut is like the base of all of the health problems these days, right? You got an autoimmune condition, you got PCOS, you've got anything, you got to look at the gut first. So birth control pills will create gut problems across the board. The other thing that they've just discovered is it shrinks a part of your brain. So great. Thanks doctors. That explains Uh, a lot because I was on birth control for 12 years. So that you feel like your brain has shrunk a little. I do. I think I was going to blame the kids. Okay. You can blame the kids too. The combo. (laughs) Yeah. It shrinks. uh, It can shrink the hippocampus. 
<clears throat> so it can also it it affects your cortisol levels it i mean it affects even who you choose as a partner which is i think crazy like some women will actually get off birth control and no longer have feelings anymore for the partner they chose Wow. Um, which is serious. Yes. You know, I don't think it happens a ton, but it is out there and you can find this information. There's a great book called your brain on birth control. I do believe it's called, and that's a really good book to read. The other thing is we know that the progestin, which is the fake progesterone in birth control pills. This is also what's in the IUD, for instance, um, the Mirena, which is very popular right now. We know that it increases your risk of breast cancer. It increases your risk of heart attack and stroke. Both the estrogen and the, the fake estrogen and the fake progesterone will increase your risk of heart attack and stroke and clots and all these th horrible things. Um, it also suppresses your natural hormone production. Even the Mirena, which doctors will tell you otherwise, but eventually the Mirena will go systemically and can affect the hormonal system. I've seen this time and time again on hormone results. And, and don't get me wrong, ladies, I am a true blue feminist. I want you to have the choice of being on birth control. And I think it's excellent. I don't want it ever taken away from women because, you know, we don't all want to be running around getting pregnant. Clearly, you can't rely on men these days to, you know, and by the way, they do have, they have created a birth control pill for men. But what they saw was that it really, it, it, it made them tired and it made them lower their sex drive. And so they just didn't think that that was a great fit for them. Okay. Thanks. Once again, <laughs> medical system. So we're, so by all means, you know, this is your choice. Some women don't feel the, they, that this is the, what they have to do. That's great. But I'm just giving you the other side to it. So here we and are. It also works yes. because I was put on birth control, very young to help with my cramps <laughs> and very common. You know, with no education around it. And it was probably leading to the PCOS, you know, all the things later, but no education around of how it actually works. So, you know, it does stop you from ovulating. And then you're saying when you ovulate, that's how you produce progesterone. So you're not like when I yeah. think about, cause I was on it for 12 years, it's like, oh my gosh, those were like such magical years too. Like I went on at like, you know, like 16 and got off at about 28. And those were like the time I could have been building so much beautiful progesterone. Now that I know all the benefits of it, that makes me like really sad. I missed out on all of that and just kind of how, how, yeah, how precious it is. So again, when I'm thinking yeah. about any time, like if you then are put on it, just so to help you with perimenopause, to me, it feels, well, how does that help? Because we're trying to, you know, optimize progesterone and then that's just suppressing it exactly. or, or help, yes. you know, whether you're 14 and being put on for your horn, for your acne or your cramps, which is extremely common and yeah, devastating to be putting little girls mm. on birth control pills for their acne and being told that that's okay. So now these women are staying on birth control pill for 15 plus years until they think they're ready to get pregnant. And then they try and get pregnant and are wondering why they can't. Well, you've shut down your hormonal system for 15 years what do you think's going to happen? That was me a hundred percent. Yes. Yeah. And it was like, I didn't know that. So yeah, just yeah. No, out that information. women don't know this. Yeah. Mm. It's insane that we're not, that we are told that this is safe for us to go on long-term. 
-hmm. Our cycle is there for purpose. Always remember that it's not just to have babies. You know, there's a peak of estrogen that happens on day 12, for instance, of the cycle. This is really important for apoptosis, which means kill off of old cells. It's, it's a tumor suppressing gene that happens, that it regulates tumor suppressing. So it's like, here we are flatlining these hormones. So your body can no longer produce it. It is just a band-aid. And sometimes once again, this is necessary. If women are really suffering and they're just like, oh my God, give me something. Yeah. It'll shut down the hormonal system so that you don't have those health problems possibly, but it's all it's, they haven't fixed it. It's all still under the hood happening. You've just suppressed it. So it's not getting to the root of the problem. You should have been, somebody should have come to you and got to the root of your PCOS at that time, or did something for those cramps at that time. It puts you on magnesium for heaven's sakes, not birth control pills, which shut down your fertility. It's just mind boggling. So women in perimenopause are given it for the same purpose. Here this woman is, she's suddenly bleeding out and you'll hear these women, oh my gosh, I just bled for two weeks straight. My periods are horrible. What's happening? Like I'm bleeding through everything. Somebody, you know, rip out the uterus or give me a birth control pill. And that's what the doctors do. They give you either a hysterectomy, an ablation, or they give you birth control pills. When and then and they're scared to give you bioidentical hormones, which is exactly what your body you produces on the inside. That's what it's calling out for, and yet they're saying, "Oh, don't go on birth, don't go on progesterone cream when you're in your 30s." Oh, God forbid! But let's put you on birth control pill, which is the like a super toxic chemical. It makes no sense. I, you know, the doctors are not trained in bioidentical hormone therapy. They're trained in birth control pills and they get a great kickback whenever they prescribe them. So it's super important for you guys to realize this is, it's a band-aid. You're not getting to the root of the problem. If you're hitting your early forties and you've put on some weight and you're bleeding heavier, and maybe you've developed fibroids, that is hello, you're not producing enough progesterone. And the beauty of progesterone cream or pills when it's bioidentical, it's instantaneous. I have women that call, call me and say, could it really be working this quickly? Like within 24 hours? And I'm like, yes, you can literally take a pump of that natural progesterone, rub it on your body and feel an immediate calm within 20 minutes. Like that, and it doesn't suppress your ovulation. It's not going to suppress your own production of that progesterone. Some hormones do. If you take them from the outside in, it'll suppress your own production. Progesterone won't do that. You'll still ovulate when you ovulate, but now you're just using that progesterone cream to get you through that second half of the cycle without all these horrible symptoms so that you don't have to go on birth control pills or have a hysterectomy, ripping it all out, by the way doesn't fix what's going on in the brain. It's not going to fix what's going on with your anxiety, depression, your insomnia, your blood sugar dysregulation, your weight gain. It doesn't fix any of that. It just makes it so that you're not going to bleed out. So it's not the solution, unfortunately. Sometimes, rarely, it can be. So that is, so, okay, so let's get back to actually, I'm oh, yeah. sorry, because I didn't finish 
You see, I get off on these tangents. Yeah. <laughs> Fun. You got no, but I think that in. was important to talk about. <laughs> yes. It really was. So thank you for, yeah, for, yes. for talking about that. So as you start to crawl through your forties, we now start to go on a wild ride with the estrogen. So now estrogen starts to become, it'll go high and then it'll go super low. So women will say, oh my gosh, the, you know, I've had been starting to get night sweats or hot flashes. And then the next month they're bleeding super heavy and they're not having that. So, cause their estrogen's kind of doing this throughout the month. This is up and down. And then it just starts to go low the older we get and the less our ovaries stop work. And at that point, you know, when we're in our thirties, early forties, there's some amazing things that you can do to really support the hormonal system uh, without taking the hormones. Some women, they just go straight to that progesterone and it's great. It's safe. It's been shown to be super breast protective, uterine protective, great for insomnia, amazing for weight, all of these good things. But some women are like, no, let, let's have my body do it itself. And so you can take things like Vitex, which is another name for that is Chaseberry. You can take a little Diendol methane to help process the estrogens. You can, you know, get control of your stress levels because that has a huge impact on how much you feel in perimenopause. Um, obviously get the right diet going, depending on what your hormones are doing at that time. And these can be amazing things that you can do in that perimenopausal phase. But there's going to be a point, ladies, where no amount of healthy eating, no amount of supplements will bring back your hormones. It is truly a matter of your ovaries start to shut down. And so when you are, and this will happen to everyone, when your ovaries are no longer producing the hormones, you cannot diet your way out of that. So then there gets to be this kind of transitional point where you have to say, okay, you know, the, the supplements aren't working anymore that I, the, the exercise, the healthy eating, it's not no longer working. I'm getting more and more symptoms. And now's the time to test those hormones and go and get help from somebody that understands hormone replacement therapy, bioidentical, natural hormone replacement therapy, because all the research shows us that women that replace their hormones are actually better off in the long run than women that don't. It will reduce your risk of all-cause mortality by 30%. It reduces your risk of breast cancer, which most women think it's going to increase. Actually, it's been shown to decrease. And getting back to the sugar thing, when we lose our estrogen, this is when we see the most weight gain in women. And women always think that it's estrogen that's making them fat, which it certainly can. If you really truly have too much estrogen or you don't have enough progesterone to balance that out in perimenopause, you can gain weight because you have an abundance of that estrogen. But as you age and you start to lose the estrogen, estrogen is extremely important for your appetite control. We have estrogen receptors in parts of our hunger centers of the brain. So suddenly you're going, why am I so much more hungry than I used to be, <laughs> you know, and, and suddenly snacking more and, you know, going, why, why do I have cravings for sugar? So there's so many things at play here, but mostly it's that we start to lose this estrogen and because estrogen regulates part of your hunger centers in your brain. It also makes us more insulin sensitive. So it makes it easier for us to control our sugar intake. So if a lot of women, 
if you think about where, how you feel throughout your 28 day cycle, most women will tell you that at the beginning of that, the first half, it seems like it's the easiest to eat healthy. Do you find that Siobhan? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So it's easier to stick to healthy eating. And then it's the old, you know, oh, I'm PMSing. I'm craving carbohydrates. I don't want to eat healthy anymore. I don't even feel like exercising as much in the second half of the cycle. This is because progesterone is supposed to come in. It's this relaxing hormone. Estrogen has a little dip and that affects our serotonin. So serotonin of course, the antidepressant neurotransmitter, when that, if we're not making as much, what happens? We crave carbohydrates because carbohydrates can help us make serotonin. So if we suddenly don't have estrogen now throughout the entire month, we're going to become more insulin resistant. And you see this type two diabetes and insulin resistance go up in almost a menopausal woman. We see weight gain in the stomach because we start losing the estrogen. We can make estrogen from our fat cells. And so your body's smart. It says we're losing our estrogen. Quick, put some fat on this woman so that we can make some estrogen somehow. And so it's going to put weight on. Now that weight is going to make you even more insulin resistant because it's happening all in your stomach. So We've got all of these things now working against us when it comes to how do we control our sugar intake. And so it can be really hard for women to get control of their eating and their, in their sugar addiction during this time, because of all of this, that's happening. Even progesterone has a lot to do with insulin sensitivity because it's anti-anxiety. It's really important, right? Nobody who wants to eat healthy when they're riddled with anxiety mm-hmm. or depression, like it's really, really hard. So I just want women to really get this because I think we tend to blame ourselves. It's like, why am I suddenly losing control over my eating habits? And you're trying so hard and you can't seem to do it there could very well be a hormonal piece to it. Yeah. And I love just the, like, definitely for addicts like me, and now I'm already like, oh, great. I hit the, there's another magic number coming even later that I'm going to have to deal with, but it's just good to know and be aware of like information is power, you know? So now it's like, oh, when you can just understand a little bit more, but this also to people at all women, we all go through this then. So even if you're not a sugar addict, I hear this from a lot of women because most, you know, my friends aren't sugar addicts and, you know, even women, friends of mine, they're in their fifties and sixties all say, oh yeah, the extra weight around their bed. Like we all go through it. So yes. it's 80, not- they, they say now about 85% of women will experience perimenopausal symptoms anywhere from a couple years to 12 plus years. Mm-hmm. So this isn't just oh, you know what your doctor will say, oh, this is normal. Just get through it. Oh, so you're, you're telling me I need to suffer for the next 10 plus years feeling this way, feeling not like myself, feeling like I'm out of control with. And I just never realized that was this time period, that that's what perimenopause is. Like, I think we learn about menopause, but that actually, I think by definition is when you don't have a period for at least 12 months, one year, which is so, but that point, like, you know, you, this is like the show. I feel like this is the hard stuff or another friend calls it. Like, I feel like I'm going through second puberty. 
hundred percent. You're going the other way, right? Yeah. So now we have these uncontrollable up and down hormones that are messing with our brain. You know, women start getting brain fog and joint pain and, you know, and this seems to happen to even the women. Like I had a client recently who's just put on 30 pounds. She's, she has been petite her entire life has never had a problem, could eat whatever she wanted. She ate ice cream every single day, she said. And then boom, she hit her late 40s and she gained 30 pounds. And she's just like, are you kidding me? Like, because so because a lot of women think, oh, it ain't going to happen. And I don't want to be like negative Nelly here, but it, it could very well have, it doesn't matter. I mean, look at me, I'm super healthy. I actually don't have food addiction problems. I don't have sugar addiction and I'm a nutritionist. I'm a weight loss coach. It happened to me. So don't think that you're going to be exempt. Once in a while, women are, I have had some women say, oh, I've never even noticed just suddenly lost my period. And I'm like, are you kidding me? <laughs> but I feel like, let's, and that's amazing for them, but it's the yes. exception than the rule. Like, cause I, 100%. I thought that too, part of my motivation at age 38 to give up sugar and flour was I'll age, I'll make the, you know, menopause year so much better. I'll age so much more gracefully. So yeah, there's a part of me that's a little pissed off that yeah. this is hitting me. Cause I've done all these wonderful things for myself, but it also helps me to remember yeah, there are some people that get really lucky in cruise through just with their body makeup. But just like me being an addict, not everyone's a food addict. It's just the way I'm wired. So I think we're all kind of wired differently, no matter even, you know, of course, if we can eat well, that's going to optimize everything. But just being a little more gentle with ourselves that this isn't really our faults, you know, this yeah. is the way our bodies work. And there are, what makes me feel hopeful though, there is just that there is so much that we can do, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And they, I think women think they're almost a failure if they, especially if they come from a super healthy background where they've always been on top of their physique and supplements and eating well, and they think they're going to cruise through this time and then they don't cruise and they're like, oh my goodness, like what the heck just happened? And they they fight it. They're like, no, no, I'm not going to do the hormone thing because it's dangerous. They'll think, you know, because of all the misconceptions around it. And there's they try to power their way through it because they feel like if they don't do that, that they're somehow not as good of a person, that they're a failure, that they're not this like tough woman. And yet, you know, there's testosterone clinics on every bloody corner for a man right now. And they all will run in there and get that testosterone if needed, you know, but women it's like, Oh God forbid we go do that. You know, that's, are we just like throwing in the towel then on ourselves? And it's, and it shouldn't be looked at. It has to change. We need to say, what are our options? Because we're not being given options out there to who we're turning to. We're turning to our medical provider saying, help and we're being put on medication like hardcore medications that have a lot of con can have consequences you know or i had a woman recently tell me she kept asking her doctor for testosterone because hers was so low and testosterone is actually a woman's most abundant hormone we produce more testosterone than estrogen mm. she goes she had been trying and trying and trying to get testosterone from her doctor because she had no libido left and it was affecting her marriage. And her doctor told her, 
you don't have a problem with testosterone. Your problem is you need a sex therapist. And here's a woman that had an extremely healthy sex drive her whole life and had a healthy sex life and then lost her to her hormones and had no libido. And then is being told it's in your head. This is what's so devastating because I think so many women have gone through this, you know, and like to your point about stress being such a big factor like this, I feel like 30s or late 30s, 40s are one of the most stressful time for women oh too. Goodness. Yes. Because if you do have kids, that's usually like a pretty like hard time with the kids. And then for a lot of people, then they also start facing like aging parents. So then that mm-hmm. comes into play. And then like, I'm starting to see cancer in my friends now, you know, yes. like, so we are like, I feel like these years are some of the most stressful years, which just then exasperates everything. Well, and our um, cortisol levels, that's those stress hormones get dysregulated in perimenopause because they're all work so closely together. So we see women go, their cortisol will go up in perimenopause, which starts to block the other hormones and actually will make it so that we don't ovulate as often when we have high stress. Their body's smart. It's always going, okay, if there's stress around, don't ovulate because we don't want to be fertile and bring a baby into this stressful situation. And so, and then we have women that are like following super extreme diets And then they're still trying to do, they're still working full-time, still taking care of children. You know, they're still the main caretakers of their homes a lot of the time. So they're just go, go, go. They have these high cortisol, super low, nice, healthy buffering progesterone that's supposed to help buffer all of this. They don't have any, and they feel frazzled in their nervous system. They feel super fragile which then makes it so they don't sleep at nighttime. Like it's just this horrible, perfect storm that happens. But I will tell you, ladies, if you get help, these can be the best years of your life. Honest to God, if you do what's appropriate for your body at this time, which is going to look different for everyone, you can sail through this time symptom-free. That woman that I was just talking about that gained 30 pounds, she just did, we just did a video testimonial And she talks about how she lost 20 pounds, how she feels like her brain is back online. All of her joint pain is gone. She feels like a completely different person. And yet women are just left to just suffer it out for 10 years. How is that an answer? Mm -hmm. You can, these are, can be your best years because a lot of the time, actually, these are, this is when you feel most about you for the first time in your life. Your kids are growing up. They don't need you as much. They're no longer these, a lot of the time, they're no longer little toddlers or babies at this age, right? So we get to think about ourselves for the first time in our life. And this is when we should be thinking and putting ourselves first for the first time in our lives and taking care of what's happening to us hormonally. And a lot of women will say, yes, but this is natural. So shouldn't we just be going through this? Well, our environment is not natural anymore. What we're going through, we've never seen in history before. Women have always suffered through menopause, but we're like exceptionally going through it now. Like, I mean, it's insane what's happening hormonally. We're seeing younger and younger perimenopausal women where they're in you know, early thirties, they're going into menopause for heaven's sakes. So we're seeing, you know, just like younger, younger girls are developing breasts. We're seeing seven, eight-year-old girls developing breast buds. So we're in this hormonal soup 
we're more stressed out than we've ever been from both the toxins, the lighting, plus the internal stress. So we have stuff coming at us that we've never had come at us before. And women, our average age span back in the day was till menopause. And typically we would die in our forties. So we're living longer and longer. And so we're just trying to get caught up with that. And it's like saying to somebody that's got heart disease when they're 70 saying, well, that's natural part of aging. I'm not going to give you heart surgery. I'm not going to give you a statin to help. Like we yeah. would never think like that. So why is it that we're not taking exactly what our body needs rather than the possible antidepressant that's, you know, or the anti-anxiety or the sleeping pills or the cholesterol medication or the, you know, blood pressure medication. What if it's just that you're missing these vital hormones and you need to put them back in? There was a one a huge study that was just done out of Arizona where they looked at 4,000 women and it showed that women that replaced their estrogen for six years or longer had a decrease in by 70 to 80% in developing Alzheimer's and dementia, which is one of the biggest killers of women. We know that heart disease is the number one killer of women. And we know that women that replace even their estrogen will have a less chance of developing, quite a substantially less chance of developing heart disease. So you can see, you know, that we sit here and we fight against it and we're trying to fight against our emotions and our eating habits and our health problems. And when could we just not give the body back what it's missing? I love that. And is it something, you know, cause I do hear people ask then, is it something, if you do decide to do the bioidentical hormones that you have to do forever then, you know, I have a lot of people that ask, have heard them ask that, like, and I'm sure I always say, for everybody. Why, why wouldn't you? That's what yeah. I say, because personally I'm like, well, if it's making you, if it's preserving your brain, it's preserving your heart it's preserving your bones. I mean, without estrogen, you will develop osteoporosis. It's that simple. Almost all women in menopause will have some degree of blood sugar dysregulation, if not a big issue with it, like type two diabetes because of the loss of estrogen and progesterone. We're going to lose our muscle you know, sarcopenia. So all of these things that are dependent on hormones And then we're just going to take them away. Like, oh, I've been on these long enough, you know? So to each his own, I do have women that are older and that they decide that they do want to try and come off them and see how it feels. It's certainly less of an impact in your older years than it is now in that 10, in this perimenopausal time, things do straighten out a little bit more for sure in menopause where you're not feeling it so much. So some women can taper off those hormones and feel okay. What's going on on the inside though, is the question, you know, what we're, what you're not seeing, you might not have outward symptoms of hot flashes anymore because you're well into menopause and you've stopped gaining all the weight But what about all the stuff that's going inside, like the brain and the heart and the organs? We have estrogen receptors on every organ in our our body. So to some degree, estrogen is going to help all of these organs help to function better. Estrogen is extremely important for the immune system. So you can make that decision. You don't have to be. Nobody has to be on these hormones forever. 
um, there is this, you know, really ideal 10 year postmenopause window that they talk about, um, that they say, you know, women that replace their hormones for 10 years postmenopause that, you know, it, it's very beneficial on so many different levels. So some women just want to do the 10 years and then they want to try and come off of it. So it's really up to the person. Personally, I don't ever plan to stop because I like that they keep me young and they preserve my brain. I've got Alzheimer's in the family. So yeah. that's that's on that. Yeah. Well, and I hate that we're out of time because I could talk to you forever about this. We might have to do a follow-up episode at some sure. point. For people listening, please like send me in questions because we will have... Karen on again and, and, and get some more questions answered, but what would you say then to people listening that are like, yes, I'm resonating with all of this. What would your first step kind of recommendation be for, you know, getting some help around this? Yeah. I think my first thing would say, don't just wait it out thinking it's going to end. Right. I think we tend to think that it's like, oh, I just need to find the next best diet and I'll get off this weight and fix all my problems. So if you're in this age range, you're in your late thirties, your forties, now's the time to test the hormones now, especially if you're feeling symptoms, please, even if you're not, because you want to see what your hormones look like when you have no symptoms. So that's you, that can be your baseline for as you age. And if you do start to replace the hormones, that's great. Then you can go back to that and be like, that's where I felt my best. So you can do some blood work with your doctor if you so choose. Blood work is going to test what's called bound hormone levels, which means they're bound to something to make them so that they're not usable by the body. We want to really see what your free levels are because that's what your cells can use. So blood work isn't a great indicator because it's looking at the whole sum of the hormone, not what's being used. And that can be, um, un it can not match up together, the free to the bound. So if you can afford to go through a private clinic person that sells either saliva, um, I, I like to use the urine metabolite test, which we'll have to get into the next episode that we do together. But um, urine metabolite testing is going to give you the biggest picture. It's going to tell you, it's going to give you an idea of how much free hormones there are, as well as how you break those hormones down, which is also really important. I've actually got an episode coming out. So by the time this airs, it will be already out. And it is an episode on urine metabolite testing. So if you, if that's something that you're interested in, go listen to that episode because I tell you exactly what you get from that test. And it's the most comprehensive, biggest look at what's happening with your hormones. And I typically still do some blood work with that. Now, if you're in menopause, you can just do blood work to get started because when you have no hormones, you have no bound and no free. <laughs> so it can be reflective of what's happening inside the body and how much hormones you have. Um, but if not, you if you're cycling, you can't afford um, a private, like a, a special kit, then you can go to your doctor, ask to have the hormones tested and just make sure you do it seven days prior to the start of your period. So if you're a 28 day cycle, you're going to take that on day 21 because we want to see where, because our hormones fluctuate so much throughout the month, we need to take it on a specific day so that we know where those hormones are supposed to be on that day and can compare your levels to that. So that's a great, that's where I want everybody to start. You don't want to 
guess with hormones, there's so many overlapping, overlapping symptoms. Like I said, most women think they're estrogen dominant when they have totally fine levels is that they have no progesterone. So you want to know that because you don't want to get in there and start draining your estrogen when you don't have a lot. You just needed some progesterone or, you know, the adrenal stuff, you know, there's a bazillion adrenal supplements out there right now. And they all have these, these crazy combinations in it that both lower and, um, level up the cortisol, it'll increase and decrease. And I'm like, you guys, you supplement makers, what are you doing? <laughs> like, you know, because the symptoms though, they overlap both low and high can overlap each other. And so women are like, I am sure I've got high cortisol. So I'm going to go take holy basil and phosphatidylserine and all these things that are going to lower my cortisol. And then lo and behold, she's got low cortisol, not high cortisol. And had she taken those supplements, it would have made it worse. So the importance of testing is, is seriously important. Um, you can get started over at my website, karenmartel.com. I do have a really good quiz that's can, can show you what could be your most imbalanced hormones. And so it gives, it's a, just a little quiz, it's a quiz. So it's based on symptoms, but it's a great place to start because I actually give you several different eBooks about each of those hormone imbalances so that you can go, does this actually relate with me? I give you some tips on where to get started, some podcasts to listen to on that topic of whatever that imbalance is. And it comes with a meal plan that's really based around how to support a woman's weight loss during her midlife. And so you get all of this for free um, at karenmartel.com. And then of course, listening to my podcast, there's so much more information on there as well. We've got two, about 240 podcasts now. So there's lots and lots of information on that one as well. So I think that those two places are the best places to start. Oh, thank you so much. And I'm just so glad you were on today. And I'm already like, yes, we need to do a second episode to even address more of the weight loss, you know, other things. So this was just a good kind of intro and get people started. But is there any other last words of advice or anything that we didn't get to that you maybe just wanted to touch on? Just, I just really want to get across that there's help to be had. There's not a lot, unfortunately. And so please don't just rely on your medical provider for help during perimenopause. Most of them are not trained in it. And so get the help that you need and that you deserve and don't settle for less. Don't, don't, you know, grit your way through this. There's no need for that. You can feel your best during this time and don't settle for anything less. Love it. Thank you again so much for being on today, Karen. Thank you very much for having me, Siobhan. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great day. And remember, life is so much sweeter without sugar.